I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. disease patient advocates from around the world will be working to raise awareness about rare diseases on February 29th, World Rare Disease Day. Last year, a group of patient advocates in Utah joined forces to create a statewide effort with great success. We spoke to Gina Zanuck, co-founder and executive director of Rare and Undiagnosed Network and committee chair for Utah Rare 2016 about the experience in Utah, why it was successful, and what was learned last year that's shaping this year's approach. Gina, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Danny. We're going to talk about World Rare Disease Day, the success the umbrella group Utah Rare has had around the event, and what you're doing this year. I thought, though, we could begin with your own involvement in the rare disease world. You founded RUN, the Rare and Undiagnosed Network, what exactly is RUN? Thank you for asking about RUN. RUN is a 501c3 nonprofit that started during the summer of 2014. Our mission is to help bring whole genome sequencing to patients who need it in a clinical setting, not research, clinical, through collaboration with organizations doing this work and to eventually have it covered by insurance companies. RUN also provides families living in the world of rare and undiagnosed diseases support emotionally, and we dream of helping them financially. RUN also gives families a platform to share their stories and to give them a voice. RUN has validated many mothers and families and gives them a stronger voice and helps them um, in their fight against rare diseases in the world of the unknown. Well, what led to your decision to found RUN? Well, you know, I get emotional when I talk about this. Um, I started RUN because I'm the mother of three children with an undiagnosed genetic dysfunction an autonomic neuropathy and a small fiber polyneuropathy. Ava is eight and Oscar six and Lucy is four and I'm also undiagnosed. Um, we have been on a diagnostic odyssey for over four years now. When I was looking for support, it was overwhelming and intimidating. We didn't qualify for any financial support because of my husband's salary, but yet we could not pay our medical bills and keep up with our monthly expenses. It was a wake-up call that our lives changed drastically when we first heard that word undiagnosed with Ava. When we started on the whole genome sequencing journey, I realized how much things needed to change in the rare world. We were fighting our insurance company for over a year to get whole genome sequencing approved. It was denied over and over again. So then we moved on to getting whole exome sequencing approved. We couldn't even get that approved for our family. We ended up with a quint analysis where they sequenced Ava, but they, they sequenced all five of us in the family, but they only analyzed Ava. And what that taught me was saying that Ava's life was more important than Oscar and Lucy's. So when I started RUN, I never planned on starting a nonprofit. Um, I was planning on being a stay-at-home mom and raising my children with a white picket fence the whole nine yards. I worked in the entertainment industry, corporate America, and the sports agency business with my husband. And we saved enough money to have our children have a nice home. And when we almost lost our oldest daughter, Ava, during the summer of 2013 to a subdural hygroma and a ruptured arachnoid cyst, our lives changed forever. And Ron came out of all of that. I wanted our story to be out there so no one else had to suffer what we went through. 
I wanted to change how mothers were viewed by doctors. I wanted to change insurance companies' um, policies on genetic testing. And I definitely wanted to change and make it known how the financial strain of having a rare child and, and more than one rare child is. And I knew that if we were suffering and, and emotionally and financially, that other families must be too. And I wanted to help every other rare family out there. Is the assumption that you all suffer from the, the same disease? We don't know. We're right now waiting for our whole genome sequencing results from the Utah Genome Project through the University of Utah. And um, they also did all five of us, but they did my parents as well to see what is what is happening. They say we all have a constellation of similar symptoms, but I mean, we definitely are hoping to have answers from the whole genome sequencing. It, it takes on average something like seven years for someone with a rare disease to get a diagnosis. So I, I think a lot of people can probably relate to what you're going through. What has the diagnostic odyssey been like, and what has it meant not to have a diagnosis? I probably will get emotional again. Um, the diagnostic odyssey has been physically, emotionally, and financially draining. Um, to not have a diagnosis is, is heartbreaking. We've been to eight hospitals in four states in the last five years. We've seen so many different specialists, and my children have been, have been pricked and prodded so many times. We feel like we live at doctor's appointments. Not having a diagnostic um, a diagnosis is just absolutely heartbreaking. And not knowing if I have one year with my children or I have many years in pain and not knowing if their pain will ever go away or if they'll live past 30 weighs very heavily on me. It's um, All the responsibilities falls on the parents when you live in this world. Um, doctors look to you. They, they don't know what the root cause is of the genetic dysfunction, and it's very frustrating. Well, let's talk about World Rare Disease Day. For our listeners who may not be familiar with it, can you tell us about World Rare Disease Day? What is it? How did it come about? What, what's the goal? World Rare Disease Day was launched in Europe in 2008 by Eurotis, which is the voice of rare patients. Uh, it's the voice of rare disease patients in Europe. The National Organization for Rare Diseases, called NORD, partnered with them and launched Rare Disease Day in the U.S. in 2009. The coalition supporting Rare Disease Days includes patient organizations, the NIH, government entities, medical researchers, hospitals, schools, children, universities, pharmaceutical companies developing treatment for rare disease. It, it, it embraces everybody. Um, every year since then, Rare Disease Day has grown. It is now observed in over 65 nations and, um, and celebrated on the last day of February, which is really exciting this year because it's leap year, so the last day is February 29th, which is a rare day. And the purpose of rare disease is to bring patients together, advocates, um, and articulate with one voice a shared message that millions of people around the world are suffering and need our help. Um, we want to have rare patients have an earlier diagnosis and safe and effective treatment and have more access to medical care um, and their services. Uh, rare Disease Day is observed in, in state capital schools, hospitals. We're having a symposium in a university and, and um, we have the state house events um, where rare advocates are meeting with elected officials to learn about the importance of healthcare decisions made at a state level and how they have a major impact on the lives of 30 million Americans living with rare disease. One in 10 are living with a rare disease. I don't think people realize that. And what we like to say is rare is everywhere. Our goal is to raise awareness amongst the general public and decision makers regarding rare diseases and the lifelong impact that they have on the patient's lives. In 2016, it marks the ninth year that the international rare disease community celebrates Rare Disease Day. 
This year, the theme is patient voice, which obviously I know very much about, and it recognizes the crucial role that we as patients play in voicing our needs and instigating change that improves our lives and the lives of their families and caregivers. And I am very honored. I was asked this, uh, this year to be um, the, the Utah State Ambassador for NORD, and it's a huge honor. As I understand it, in, in Utah last year, the approach to World Rare Disease Day was a bit unusual in that it was a statewide effort of several organizations that came together as Utah Rare. How did that come about? Utah Rare came together in the beginning as a group of rare moms. Christina Might uh, was the Utah Rare chair last year. Her family story is national news. Her son was the first child in the world diagnosed with NGLY1. She brought together Susan Atwater of Aware of Angels and Ann Bruns, whose son has atypical HUS. The four of us started reaching out to other rare moms and to Utah's key influencers active in the Utah rare community, and we formed a coalition of rare disease stakeholders to organize a statewide recognition of, of Rare Disease Day. What, what did you do last year? Last year, Christina Heights' goal was to have an inaugural Utah Rare Disease Day symposium. We brought together an incredible group of doctors, patient advocates, pharmaceutical companies that focus on rare disease, geneticists, and the top university key players, as well as filmmakers of the documentary Undiagnosed Medical Refugees. It was a powerful group of speakers, and Christina's vision went beyond everyone's expectations. We also had our NORD-sponsored State House event as well. Again, we brought together a powerful group of speakers. Um, we had many mothers sharing their stories, as well as paying tribute to the first female speaker of the house, Becky Lockhart, who died of a rare neuro neurological disease just a little over a month before Rare Disease Day. And again, we had a terrific turnout. Our third event was a huge win for the Utah Rare families and for Run and for Nord. I had a little connection to the NBA Utah Jazz. I am married to Justin Zanuck who is the NBA Utah Jazz assistant GM. We were blessed by the owners of the Utah Jazz and the Larry H. Miller family and Gail Miller and their entire team at Utah Jazz. We were given over 120 tickets from the player donation program as well as had 30 of our rare children, three, our three children, on the court as national anthem buddies. Our three children were honored to be on the court with their rare brothers and sisters. We were even able to honor Charlie Nelson, who passed away from Batten disease by having her siblings hold up a picture of her. It was a dream of mine to have the children on the court from the day we arrived with the Utah Jazz. Well, why do you think last year was so successful? I know we were successful because of the work that we did. On, we worked together on Utah Rare. We weren't competing with each other for attention or getting our stories. We all just wanted to work together. And it, it was really because of Christina Might, who is absolutely one of the most brilliant minds I've ever met. Our Utah Rare executive team as well, and all of the volunteers made, made it the success that it was. As you get ready for World Rare Disease Day in 2016, what are the plans? <laughs> I'm dreaming bigger. I'm going bigger and, and adding a little bit more. Um, I think with Christina's mentor, she's mentoring me and just giving me the confidence to, to, to look. Our plans this year are following in her footsteps, but we're just adding. So on February 27th, we're having our second annual Utah Rare Symposium. And we are blessed this year to have the symposium program planned officially through the University of Utah. We have an incredible group of speakers already committed. We are adding to the day symposium. The University of Utah will host a free educational room where fun educational activities for all ages, including touching human brains, will teach the children about health medicine research. And, and it's sponsored by the Neuroscience Initiative at the University of Utah. And I think it's going to be really fun for the kids. That night, we um, the Utah Jazz play that night, so we're honored to have our Utah Rare children on the court again this year. 
for Run and for Nord, sponsored event with the NBA Utah Jazz. We will have the children as the National Anthem Buddies again, and we have 120 tickets donated again by the, the Utah Jazz program. program. And I can't, again, I can't thank the Utah Jazz and the Miller family enough for their support of our family as well as Run, Utah Rare, Nord, and the entire Rare community. Since the relationship with the NBA Utah Jazz was such a huge success last year, we are also in talking with the NBA Nord and Run relationship further. My husband was generous enough to call his fellow GMs and assistant GMs that have games playing on the night of February 29th. So now we're going to have Nord Rare Disease Day honored by the NBA Washington Wizards, the Sacramento Kings, Denver Nuggets, the Milwaukee Bucks, and we're hoping to with the Boston Celtics and the LA Clippers. This was a huge dream of mine. I've just been thinking of it for the last year, and to have these teams realize how important rare disease is is just incredible. And then, going back on the afternoon of the February 29th, we have our state, our NORD sponsored state house event, where we're going to ask Senator Hatch to speak. I'm, I'm I'm hoping that he will be our keynote speaker, and especially because of his commitment to the first ever bicameral rare disease congressional caucus, it would be huge to have him speak. Um, we'll have other families there as well sharing their stories, um, and we'll have a um, balloon release to honor um, our rare angels tribute that we're going to have of rare angels that have passed away. Um, in addition to that, we are having a Utah Rare Teen Photography Project for 10 rare teenagers between the age of 13 and 18. Season Atwater of Rare of Angels Run and Utah Rare are sponsoring this. And we're going to have our first photo shoot on January 23rd. And the teenagers are all such strong role models, especially for my daughter, who's eight. They, they inspire us very much. Um, and then we're having a Utah Rare dinner at Trey Ombre the night after the State House event. We have a lot planned here in Utah, and I'm excited and very thankful to all of our volunteers and all of our sponsors that are making us happy. And our committee has grown this year, and I'm so proud to be a part of Utah Rare. Well, what did you learn from last year that has you doing something differently this year? I learned last year that I mentioned too is just working together and with the, the rare community, anything is possible. And I just and I learned that we could just go bigger this year. I mean, I it, Utah really set the standard. Utah rare last year, and other states are following. And it's just we all all of the states were working together. I've talked to people in Florida. I've talked to people in Colorado, and in, now in, in Washington. And it's it's just incredible that just working together is what I really learned. Not that we didn't work together last year. <laughs> But World Rare Disease Day is about raising awareness, but awareness is not an end in itself. What What do you hope will be accomplished with this increased awareness about rare diseases? Well, for Utah, especially for Utah Rare, our dream is to have a rare and undiagnosed program here in Utah. We currently are working with the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Utah and Intermountain Primary Children's Hospital to have a comprehensive clinical undiagnosed disease program here. It would be the only one of its kind in Intermountain West. We know that this will help everyone living in the Intermountain West with a rare disease. They'll follow the families through being undiagnosed to a diagnosis and through their rare journey. And it's it's in the beginning stages now, but that would be huge for us to raise awareness to get that program up and running. Um, we also help with Senator Hatch's bicameral rare disease congressional caucus that he'll make major changes for rare disease families and having this awareness out there will help him with, with that. And for Run, I hope that we raise enough awareness that we get insurance companies to hear our voices and change their policies on genetic testing. They're beginning to approve whole exome, but they're not close to even approving or thinking about approving whole genome sequencing. And as we mentioned in the beginning, for all rare patients that they need earlier diagnosis, safe and effective treatment, rare patients just need more access, more to medical care than to other services. And one of the things that I, I, 
I was telling somebody yesterday, and it was an older gentleman, and he said, I've never heard of rare diseases a rare disease day, or, you know, we started talking and he was fascinated to know that one in 10. And I think just getting that message out there to the general public is really, really important to us. Gina Zanuck, co-founder and executive director of Rare and Undiagnosed Network and committee chair for Utah Rare 2016. Gina, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. It was an honor. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The BioReport, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.